Christchurch, New Malden, Sunday the 18th of February 2024, 9.30 service. Stephen Kurt speaking in the series, Spring Cleaning Our Lives This Lent, on the failure to forgive. So, as Christians, as part of the people of God in New Malden, if that's the way that we see ourselves, what is it that should mark us out as different from those around us? <clears throat> Excuse me. Now, that's a really challenging question, isn't it? And it's one with lots of possible answers. We know that it's got to be more than simply coming along to church on a Sunday. We also know it's got to be more than what we simply claim to believe. We're called to live differently, aren't we? Because of Jesus and because of the gift of the Spirit, we're called to have lifestyles that display more and more of those characteristics that God wants to form in our lives. Live such good lives amongst the pagans, verse 12 of 1 Peter 2 says, that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. Being distinctive as the people of God in New Morden is about living lives that are radically different because of the goodness that they contain. And as I said just a few minutes ago, during this series, which we've given this title, Spring Cleaning, Our Lives This Lent, I think we've got a slide to go up, David, there it is. We're going to look at a number of ways in which God might be speaking directly to us about this matter. And of all the ways that we're called to be different, perhaps the most difficult of all is the calling to forgive. Now, we say this line every week in the Lord's Prayer here at this service. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. We say that line every week, as I say, and it's almost the best example that exists of something that's more easily said than done. And when I say this, I'm not just talking about those really appalling crimes that are committed against people, where we find it difficult to imagine how anyone can get in a position where they can be able to forgive what's happened to them or to people that they love. At a more basic level than that, forgiveness is really difficult because having been damaged by someone, we're then being asked to give them something. Now, it helps, of course, when they're sorry, but it's still difficult at that point because at that point, when knowing that we're in the right is about the only solace that we possess, we're being told that we have a duty towards the person that has hurt us. And that's part of why forgiveness is so hugely difficult. And what makes it really even more difficult these days is that we're surrounded by a culture that increasingly says that forgiveness is wrong. That's what cancel culture is really all about. If something has been done that is wrong, particularly if it offends against the clearly established codes that our society believes in, it's increasingly not just our right, but almost our duty to make sure that people pay for this. Now, it was much the same back in first century Palestine. The Jews were an occupied people, weren't they? And 200 years before, they'd experienced the most dreadful and violent treatment at the hands of the Greeks. 
persecution that they'd eventually managed, rather miraculously, to throw off by massacring those who were doing this. That's what Jews still celebrate at Hanukkah. But now history was repeating itself, and it was the Romans doing much the same as the Greeks had done 200 years before. And it left people in Israel seething for revenge and ready to erupt against their oppressors. It actually happened just a few years later. But into the middle of this pressure cooker of hatred came Jesus. And Jesus proclaimed a radically different way of responding to this evil of oppression. The way to respond to this kind of situation, declared Jesus, is actually by refusing to return evil with evil. The way to respond to this sort of situation, Jesus declared, is by praying for those who persecute you. The way to respond to this kind of situation is to actively love your enemies, those people who are treating you in such a dreadful manner. The way to respond is through forgiveness. And as part of this, Jesus called his followers to form a radical new community that would demonstrate to the watching world that this kind of way of living was possible. That's what being the church is all about. We're meant to demonstrate by the way we relate to one another a certain way of living is possible, and the watching world is meant to see that. Now, chapter 18 of Matthew's Gospel, which our reading came from, is Jesus teaching his followers and teaching us how to be church. And in its final part, Jesus deals with the whole subject of forgiveness. So he clearly expects that to be relevant to church life. And it starts by Peter, Jesus' most famous disciple really, coming and asking Jesus a question. And here is the question that Peter asked. We had this read to us earlier. Then Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? Up to seven times? Forget the Romans. Even within our own community, Peter is saying, there's got to be some limits on forgiveness. It, it can't just carry on being endless, surely. And the staggering answer that comes back from Jesus is this. No, Peter, there is absolutely no limit whatsoever on the number of times we're called to forgive the person who sinned against us. This is what Jesus says. That's what he means when he says not seven times, but 77 times. Or he may have really meant 70 times seven, we're not quite sure. Now, when Jesus said 70 times 7, if that's what he said, he didn't mean 490 times. I must admit, I did have to use the calculator for that one. What Jesus meant was, we're not meant to count. We're not meant to count. Because forgiveness is something that Jesus wants us to be constantly prepared to give. That's very stark, isn't it? We could say that it's completely insensitive. It almost makes out that forgiveness is easy when we know full well that it's not. What about those appalling examples of evil that we're all aware of in this world? How can the constant forgiveness that Jesus speaks of ever be possible for those who've been hurt so badly? Surely 
it is impossible. Well, it would be if this world is all there is. But with his coming, Jesus declared that something decisively new had broken into the world. Something that Jesus called the kingdom of God, or in Matthew's gospel, the kingdom of heaven. Something that made things that were previously difficult, indeed impossible, into things that were now possible, even if they'd never become easy. That's why Jesus goes on to tell this parable about the nature of the kingdom of heaven. Like Jesus' other parables, it's a story that reveals something of the nature of this new reality, this new rule of God that broke into the world when Jesus came, and the new things that have therefore become possible as a result. So, the story starts with Jesus saying, therefore the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. And as he began to do the settlement, Jesus says, a man who owed that king 10,000 talents was brought before him. There he is in the picture on his knees. And since the man was not able to pay back this enormous sum, the king ordered that he and his wife and his children and all they had should be sold to repay the debt. Now, it sounds rather like the post office scandal, doesn't it? Though in this case, it wasn't an error with the Horizon software. The man was guilty. And the servant, as that picture shows, fell to his knees before him. Be patient with me, he begged, and I will pay back everything. How he could pay back such an enormous sum is actually uh, something which we're not told here. He probably couldn't. But it didn't matter, because what we're told is that the king took pity on him, cancelled the debt, and let him go. Now, we've got to imagine what it would have been like to have heard that story back in the first century. You see, 10,000 talents might not mean a lot to us, but it was an enormous sum of money. It was more than the annual amount of taxation that the Romans collected from the whole of Israel. And yes, here we see a king who's prepared to forgive the servant who has stolen that amount from him. What a ridiculous story. It's so preposterous as to be impossible. It's completely out of touch with reality. It's the sort of thing that simply doesn't happen in the real world. It does now, Jesus says. It does now, because God's rule has broken into this world in a staggering new way that's turned all of the previous rules about normality and what is possible upside down. See, the king in this story fairly obviously represents God, doesn't he? And the servant represents us. With my coming, Jesus is saying, you've received a forgiveness that is enormous and total. Every single thing that you've ever done wrong, every scrap of debt that you have to God, has been completely wiped away. I've changed the goalposts, Jesus is saying. You're now living in a completely different situation. So let's pause for a moment to take this on board. Think of the worst, darkest thing that you've ever done. The thing that you're ashamed to admit to yourself, let alone other people. 
If you're a follower of Jesus, that's something that God, through Jesus, has taken completely away. It's staggering, but it's true. And it's something that we've got to constantly remind ourselves of. God, the abundant giver, has broken into this world through Jesus Christ, and he has given us the most precious and staggering gift imaginable, complete and utter forgiveness. And the question which the rest of this parable asks is in the light of this, and it's this. Do we want to live within this amazing reality of God's kingdom? Because if we do, it will mean being prepared to accept that the impossible has now become possible for us as well. God has provided us with the power to forgive people for what they have done to us. And it's this that the servant fails to do as this parable continues, doesn't he? He bumps into another servant who owes him a few pounds, and when that man can't pay, he has him thrown into prison. And the parable ends with the stark warning that news of this got to the king, and because of his response, the first servant lost all of that forgiveness that had previously been his, and he was thrown into prison. Now, it is a harsh story at that point, but deliberately so. So we realise the importance of what we're thinking about this morning. It makes the point about what is happening when we refuse to forgive our brothers and sisters. You see, that servant was acting as though nothing had changed about his world, wasn't he? He was acting as if you get what you deserve, you get your just desserts, was still the rule book of life. When the reality was that the king had torn that rule book to pieces. And by refusing to forgive, the servant had placed himself outside of the new kingdom. He'd placed himself back within the old rules of retribution and, as I say, getting one's just desserts. So where does this leave us this morning? If we are facing, as we may well be, issues to do with forgiveness, perhaps there is one individual or a group of people that we're finding it incredibly difficult to forgive for what they've done to us. Forgiveness is never easy, particularly when we've been badly hurt. But very briefly, three practical things that can be taken from this passage to help move us further in that direction. And the first of these, and the most obvious, is this. When we're seeking to move further towards forgiveness, it's about focusing on what God has brought about through Jesus. Jesus brought us individual forgiveness, but that was part of something much bigger in the shape of the kingdom of heaven. The inbreaking rule of God making things possible, as I've said this morning, that weren't before. We aren't just called to forgive others because we've been forgiven, although, as we see from this parable, that's an important part of it. We're called to forgive others because the coming of the kingdom of heaven and the Holy Spirit have made that possible. That's why the final verse of this story says this, 
It talks of the importance of forgiving your brother or your sister from your heart. The great thing about the coming of the kingdom of heaven is that we can be changed on the inside. And what God wants from us is to be open to that power that he's placed inside us. So as we come to church, and we remember the forgiveness that we have received as we say that confession early on in our service each week, let's also remember the liberation that we can have from the old pattern of living. Let's pray that God would reveal to us more and more what it means to live under his liberating rule and the new possibilities that have opened up for our lives. And let's pray that as a church community, we can demonstrate this more and more by our relationships. That's the first point. If we want to spring clean our lives this Lent by showing greater forgiveness, but a second point is this. A second thing that we can do as we move further towards forgiveness is recognising that our forgiveness is part of our worship of God. You see, we might read this story and think, why was it any of the king's business? How that servant related to someone else? Why was uh, the first servant's treatment of the second servant anything to do with the king? It's precisely because he was the king. It was his business because he was the ruler. And as king, he had established a pattern that he expected to be followed by those whom he ruled. And if we're finding it really difficult to forgive someone for something that they've done to us, or a group of people that have perhaps damaged our life in a really, really difficult way, then this might be something that can help us. It might help us to think of our forgiveness as being something that we're offering first and foremost to God himself because of everything that he has given to us. That may be a helpful way of looking on things, to see our forgiveness as part of our worship of God and something we're giving first and foremost to him. But third, let's also remember this. And this, again, is, is really important. This stops uh, anything, hopefully, that I'm saying this morning about forgiveness being trite. God's kingdom has broken into this world, but it hasn't yet come to completion. You see, we possess God's Holy Spirit as the first fruits of our future restoration. But we're not yet the finished article. Some people, perhaps some here this morning, have been hurt so badly that perhaps it is currently impossible for you to reach a full forgiveness of those who did this to you. And yet what God wants to see is that there's work in progress. He wants to see that we're letting the Holy Spirit into that situation. If we can't yet forgive someone, then perhaps we can pray that God will help us to move further towards wanting to forgive them. Sometimes that itself is a huge step. But having said that, when we take the smallest step, it's amazing what the Holy Spirit can then do. It's amazing where the Holy Spirit can then take us to, often to a place where we never thought we can reach. So as we think about the subject 
of forgiveness this morning. Let's be completely honest about the hurts that we've received. Let's avoid anything that's trite and not real. But as we consider spring cleaning our lives this Lent, as we take the difficult step of looking at parts of our lives that perhaps we'd rather not look at, perhaps we'd rather keep buried most of the time, as we take this pretty brave step of being prepared to review parts of our lives that need to change, let's remember that we're dealing with a God who has made the impossible possible through sending us Jesus Christ. So that we could be not only people who are forgiven ourselves, but people who are transformed into those who are able to stand out from this world because we become people who can display and give forgiveness to others as well. We're going to turn for a few moments to prayer. Let's pray. Perhaps let's rewind to a situation. It may be a very current situation. It may be from several years ago where we've been damaged or harmed by the actions of others. Let's have a few moments where we bring that situation before God. It may have happened to us. It may have happened to people close to us. But let's bring that before God with honesty about the level of hurt that it's brought us. <clears throat>